0: Greetings from the great state of Florida and welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Tony Davis. I appreciate you listening and I want to take some time before we jump into the episode to just thank you. I thank you for your support I thank you for the feedback that I'm getting inside and also outside my network. It means a lot. I'm getting a lot of great emails. Uh, I'm getting a lot of connections through LinkedIn. And by the way, if you're out there listening, I'd love to make your connection through LinkedIn as well. It's a it's a, it's a a platform with strengths and weaknesses. And overall, if we can get through the noise, it's a pretty good platform for connection. So just search me, Tony Davis, within LinkedIn, and I'd love to make your connection. But again, uh, if you want to email me, please feel free to do so. Tony at wellroundedleaders.com. Tony at wellroundedleaders.com. I appreciate the input. I appreciate suggestions. And uh, I'm here to be better at what I do because my goal, my purpose with this podcast is to help make an impact, make an impact so that you can be a better leader, not just within the workplace, not just within your profession, but be a better leader, leading yourself. And leading all of those uh, that you're responsible for, be it personal or professional life. So again, I thank you. I think the podcast is really getting a lot of traction right now. It's It's got some great positive momentum, got some super guests lined up going forward and some other thoughts on continually how to make this podcast better so that it makes an impact. That's why I'm here. That's my motivation for doing this. So thank you. And let's jump into the episode. Leadership and strategy each consume considerable space on the executive bookshelf, a leader that does not think strategically is merely a cheerleader for operational efficiency. Welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Tony Davis, coming to you from the beautiful beaches in Jacksonville, Florida. My guest today is Greg Gibbons. Individuals and organizations across six continents gain benefit from Greg's services as an executive and leadership coach in the area of strategic thinking, where he is a top 10 thought leader by Thinkers 360. He is a catalyst for accelerating organizational and career impact. Greg is a facilitator, seminar leader, speaker, and author of the book, How to Think Strategically, Sharpen Your Mind, Develop Your Competency, Contribute to Your Success. In this episode of the Well-Rounded Leaders podcast, Greg will help you understand specifically what it means to be more strategic and help you build a personal brand as a strategist. We will discuss ways that as a leader you can foster strategic thinking within your organization, and he's going to share with you the top five movies to watch if you want to learn strategic thinking. He is here to help you get promoted, and he will help you build executive presence by gaining confidence, understanding the nature of strategic situations. Enjoy the podcast. Greg, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate uh, your time. I appreciate your willingness to uh, educate me more than anything because as a business owner, you know, strategic thinking. I think we all as business owners, wouldn't you say, like to think that we're strategic thinkers. Uh, but it, it's a skill, I think, that a lot of business owners, if you had to rate them on, a, on the depth and the level of skill that a leader might have in strategic thinking, not what they think they have, but what do you think they actually have as it goes into the depths of, of the processes and the, uh, um, the skill to truly be a strategic thinker?
1: It's. I'd probably give most sort of a middling grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them uh, believe in their own press release that, and, and the story they're telling themselves is because I am successful, because I own the company or I'm running the company, because I am doing that, I must be a strategic thinker. And I don't know that that is a, a, a very good logic to be following. And and related to that, another thing I run into real commonly is they say, well, because our company is successful, we must have a good strategy. And, and I could still be a little bit skeptical about that. Um, what both things discount is the role of luck. Um, when, when we're lucky, we always think it's because we're good instead of seeing the the blessings of of luck and, uh, it it can be humbling.
0: And and a lot of futures. Yeah. And I think where you're going with this is success can also cloud your ability to Maintain proactive strategic thinking because when things are going well, you kind of you kind of ride the wave. And how many how many leaders would you say when they do strategic think they do it reactively versus proactively?
1: Uh, I, I think probably it's a good number. Uh, I, so complacency is a big issue without a doubt. And sometimes they'll say, "Well, so so first I'll may, maybe I'll challenge that. I think people are thinking strategically, maybe like all of the time, but a very low level." and they're confusing their strategic thinking with other things. But but that being said, I do believe there's a lot of complacency. I do believe that when we are in a crisis, that's when we really start to to challenge our fundamental assumptions about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so the, the argument that I would make is a higher level of strategic thinking done more thoroughly and at all levels of the organization. So I would also add that Strategic thinking is not just something that a business manager or owner does. I would argue that everybody should be thinking strategically in an organization. And what that means more specifically is is I like to break it down into three main things, which are sensing, Mm -hmm. sense making, and programming. So sensing means paying attention to the weak signals out there in our business environment, sense making refers to how we collectively make sense of that and and we find in really clever strategies our own unique common sense the third piece of that is is programming which i think more people are apt to when they hear the word strategy they say well what is my plan for achieving my goals what is what is the direction i am trying to set and and that to me is, is programming but i think it's more important to talk about the sensing and sense-making part. And that's where I think people are often kind of lazy.
0: So when you say you develop your own sense of common sense, dive into that a little bit more, if you would.
1: Right. So, so a, a really great story of that is uh, from Jensen Wang, who was the founder of NVIDIA Corporation back in the 1990s. And he describes his, the role that he was in was he was a member of the computer gaming generation. He was one of those young men that grew up understanding computer games and video games so when he came up with his business plan he took it out to the venture capitalists and even took it to his parents and they all said nobody wants to start a business because there's no market for video games there's no market for computer games but he and his colleagues because they were members of the video gaming generation they had their own common sense so the the common part you know is is that we surround ourselves with people who perhaps see the world a little bit differently than do the orthodox and that guides our sense making about the way we interpret the world that we're in
0: that's good and greg by the way you are the author of the book how to think strategically i don't need to tell you this you know this <laughs> but for our listeners <laughs> greg is the author of the book how to think strategically sharpen your mind develop your competency, and contribute to success. And the, the book has, I mean, outstanding strategic thinking principles. And I love this quote in your book, leadership and strategy each consume considerable space on the executive bookshelf. Ain't that the truth? A strategic thinker who chooses not to practice leadership is functioning as an analyst. A leader who does not think strategically is merely a cheerleader for operational efficiency. That is so good. Dive into that yeah. a little bit more.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do get a lot of, of remarks from people who really like that distinction that's being brought there. So, so the first thing that I think is important to, to distinguish is I, there's what I call operational thinking and then strategic thinking. And basically operational thinking is the opposite of strategic thinking. So operational thinking is the concern that managers and owners have for running their business, to, for working within the existing business model, to serve their customers, to get product out the door, all of those kind of things. And, and, and here's what I call the five P's of operational thinking. They are productivity, perfection, predictability, process, and the present. When you hear the common complaint about people being short-sighted in their thinking and their planning and so forth, it's typically because they're just in the middle of firefighting crisis management mode. And I imagine all of your listeners have seen and experienced that and are probably presently seeing and experiencing that. So the challenge for people is, is to find some mental space to, to set aside some time to look in different directions. So here's are the main landmarks on what I call the map of strategic thinking. They are the future. It is spending time looking at our anticipatory assumptions, talking about what could be different in the future and how that may affect us. The second thing is insight. And I, I like to say that insight is the secret sauce of strategy, that, that, a, that a big focus of strategic thinking is to find an insight to take that insight and to develop and capitalize on that insight because it gives us a certain amount of power that the people that don't possess the insight have. The third major thing that people are looking for on the map of strategic thinking is the core challenge. Now, here's the question. This is one of the most powerful questions that I can give to you, Tony, Mm -hmm. and to your listenership. Here's the question. What's the biggest challenge our organization faces that we can do something about? And that question may not be answered easily, but that's where uh, maybe much of the the beauty is, that so often people get consumed with their own visions and goals and ambitions and performance objectives and those kinds of things. They get so consumed with what they're trying to achieve that they lose sight of this bigger picture. And that's what the core challenge helps us to recognize, because the core challenge then is the thing that directly sparks a strategy. Mm. Once we identify this biggest thing that affects our organization, then the rest of the work of strategy is saying, how do we go about addressing the obstacles to our success? I mean, so I kind of just rely on the idea that people need to be in touch with their business environment and what's going on. And they see within that they see opportunities and they see threats and they see a lot, lots of other things going on. And so this is where we want to work towards that common sense that I was just talking about. So regardless of whether you see it as a in the bucket called threat or in the bucket called opportunity mm-hmm. or the bucket called strength or weakness, you just step back and say, when when I consider everything that I see happening within my business environment internally and externally, what concerns me most. And then the challenge for the top leadership team is, is to come to a common sense on what that is.
0: Which that in itself can sometimes be a challenge coming to uh, you know, a consensus and agreeing upon uh, directions to go, where to proceed, prioritizing. You talked about external and we talk about internal. Mm-hmm. And then you touched on this. Uh, um, the first point was the future. How, you know, and there's a, there's a big, that's the big question is, you know, can we predict the future? Obviously within trends and, and things going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. By, by all means, we definitely can't predict the future per se, but we can kind of get an idea of where we're headed. Talk about, you know, you mentioned weak signals. Talk about seeing the future and weak signals and how to pick up on that and 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 then what to do with that information as a leader when you strategically think
1: okay well so let me let me give you a question and and your listeners a question that i think can be very powerful in the way that you talk about the future Mm -hmm. so here's the question what are your anticipatory assumptions when you think about the decisions you're making in the present or you're thinking about the situation what are your anticipatory assumptions do you feel optimistic about the future or do you feel despair about the future? And if you feel optimism, what's the source of your optimism? And if you feel despair, what's the source of your despair? So an important part of the strategy conversation, I think can be captured in that question, you know, which is what are your anticipatory assumptions? And all of us carry with us different anticipatory assumptions that tend not to be Articulated very well, they tend not to be discussed very often within the conversations, because while on one hand, everybody knows the future is coming and it's important, on the other hand, it's so easy to get caught up in the present and and, 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 and the whole future thing seems, seems ephemeral and a little bit unreal. So, so that's the the first thing I would start off with saying is ask about and understand anticipatory questions. Okay. And then that understand that anticipation has three major elements, and two of which I find most managers and leaders get pretty well. The first one is preparation. And preparation means that you envision a scenario or some future state of the world. For example, what would happen if your business got cyber hacked or a building burnt down or something like that? Mm -hmm. You know, what would that situation look like? What would you do if that occurred? That's called preparation. And, and, and managers have a pretty good understanding of the second one, which is planning. So planning is this idea that we have a goal that we're going to work towards, much like a farmer planting the field, and that all those things will pop up if we continue to optimize ourselves on our way, we can reasonably expect that we're going to hit our goal. The third one is, I think, the most interesting one, the one that's least practiced, and that is that is anticipation as discovery. I believe that we are in a decade of jaw-dropping change. I believe that when, if, if you could just kind of imagine yourself 10 years from now, and looking back over the last 10 years, people are just going to be smacking their heads saying, I can't believe there's been so much change experienced. And to your point, Tony, it was a surprise. So part of this is an attitude. I expect every day to be surprised. And what I'd like to try to help people to do is to adapt that attitude of, of constantly expecting surprise, to realize that as much as we want to bend the world to our plans and our aspirations and things, the external environment is going to affect our businesses far more than anything else. And you're going to find that be especially true as, as your business starts to grow.
0: That um, it's good really different isn't it yeah yeah no no <laughs> Maybe it is that what you were
1: expecting to hear
0: no no i like it i like it and and again i'm one of those leaders that probably would say that my thinking wasn't—I wasn't that in depth of a strategic thinker. You know, you know, you, you kind of fall in. I, I'm more of the—you do the reactionary thinking when when you you're trying to circle the wagons or when there's an issue or you need to, you know, drive sales revenue or or something like that. So for me to dive into strategic thinking at this level, it, you know, I'm I'm just a sponge taking it all in and, and just loving it. But yeah, let's talk about the the 20 micro well, okay, skills so that you here's talk the about. Big
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of big picture is that I've identified 20 micro skills, strategic thinking. Some of those micro skills are really easy and accessible. For example, curiosity. I don't need to spend a whole heck of a lot of time to Mm -hmm. talking to you to explain what curiosity is. So I just simply will assert that strategic thinkers have curiosity and that curiosity is one of the things that that drives them storytelling is another one that i don't need to uh, go overboard and explain you what storytelling is all about although you can take college classes on storytelling and there's some things to to be said there that that um, is one of my favorite that's
0: not sorry to interrupt but that is one of my favorite right. leadership skills is storytelling and the ability yeah. to to get your point across to to the ability to communicate yeah. at a different level with your, your stakeholders uh, through, through yeah. the medium of stories. I think it's so powerful.
1: Yeah, and agree. So, so and, and this actually picks up on something we were talking just a couple minutes ago, and that is about the future. One of the kinds of stories that are important to be telling are stories about the future. And that as a leader, I am trying to tell stories that are big enough and roomy enough that people can see a place for themselves within that story. So a lot of times when people hear the idea of storytelling, uh, they, they just start telling war stories. Well, you know, we came, we saw, we conquered, we did this, that, and the other. For me, the more interesting stories are around where is this all going? And how can our organization evolve and, and address the upcoming changes, the jaw-dropping change? And how can we make this story inclusive enough so that our stakeholders feel like they're a part of it? So it, it's it's a very powerful, sophisticated tool. And we're both on the same page there.
0: Yeah, and, and actually one of your quotes in the book was you can you can discover a narrative of strategy in every story of success or fa- or failure.
1: Yes. Very yeah. good. Uh, yeah. so- and I think that's one of the things that we can all learn is to pay attention to things like You can see it on the news programs. You can see it in movies and elsewhere that there are, I call it a strategic thinking narrative. Once you identify this character who is thinking strategically, you see a certain set of characteristics that become more in common.
0: So talk about the shoulder angels. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So one of the. This is one of the strategic thinking uh, micro skills that have one of the fancier names. The name is metacognition. So basically it means thinking about your own thinking. More specifically, it means your self-awareness and self-regulation of four things, which is what do you know and what don't you know? What skill, what are you skilled at? What are you unskilled at? What are your feelings? Angry, happy, joyous, whatever it is. And the fourth one is culture. Are you aware of how your culture is affecting you? Mm -hmm. So I often call metacognition my desert island micro skill in, in that if I was trapped on a desert island and I could only have one micro skill to work with, that would be the one that I would want to work with because... Once I recognize in myself, my strengths and my weaknesses, and, and, and whether it's around skills or knowledge or whatever it is, the second part is I can take action. I, it's, a, it's self-awareness and self-regulation to move me in the direction that I want to go. What are
0: some of the weaknesses that come into a play in a person's mind to be able to, to uh, have that type of, of micro skill?
1: Yeah. Well, it's important that we acknowledge that as human beings, each and every one of us have blind spots. And furthermore, we're blind to our own blindness. One of the things that we need to do is have a thinking partner, someone who can help us see the things that perhaps we are too blind to be able to see. And I know one of the challenges I have when my clients, you know, many of my clients are, are top managers of, of large organizations is that this is called the sunflower bias. The people that report to them always tell them what they want to hear. They, you know, this, like the sunflowers always following the sun. These people are always looking to the boss to see what the clue is. And um, of course, we know that it could be a challenge to speak truth to power. So I think that's a, something that everybody needs to find is a thinking partner that can help them uh, talk through what's going on and, again, be aware that we all have blind spots.
0: Give me some examples of who a, a good thinking partner could be within an organization. Do you do you go outside the department? Do you uh, is it it's different than a, obviously a mentor? You, I would think you wouldn't want to have somebody that would align with your same types of mentalities, beliefs, thought processes. You probably want somebody from a different perspective.
1: Right. Well, you know, for example, there are various, you know, uh, collections of of CEO or top manager cooperatives where they come together and can talk with their peers. So that's one place you look. There are uh, people like myself that are out in the coaching business that, uh, you know, have no financial stake other than to be a sounding board, a thinking partner for others. You know, a spouse can work in that area. A good friend can work in that area. So there's a lot of people uh, that I think you can re- reach out to.
0: So another one of your micro skills was devalorization.
1: Right. What, 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 ex- oh, yeah. ex- and so, explain that. Yeah, that's a fancy word again. It is. It's so like a, everybody it's a knows the word valor, word. but everybody knows the word valor. You give, give a medal of valor to someone. It's a indication of their worthiness. Or if we talk about the word value, value is an indication of worth. So devalorization is simply to remove the worthiness of something. It's a French word. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's to take something that the prevailing culture sees as important and using your imagination to remove what is of value or of importance. So it's a way to challenge the orthodoxy of culture and the things around us. Uh, It can feel unsafe. It can feel a little bit dangerous to people, but it's the kind of of thinking that helps us to discover new and different and better ways of looking at the world. So I've had any number of people over the years to me saying, wow, Greg, I'm not sure that I feel comfortable about doing this. And here's my response to them. I'll say, nobody needs to know that you're thinking strategically. There's a lot of organizations that I've been around that, you know, this is the old cliche about the nail that sticks up is the one that gets hammered down. People who think strategically are often placed into uncomfortable positions with the organization where the prevailing culture, again, operational thinking mm-hmm. is pounding them down. The, the management guru, Peter Drucker, has this very, very famous quote, which it says, that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Here's how I paraphrase it, and and it goes back and references it to something I was talking about five or maybe 10 minutes ago, operational thinking. I say operational thinking tends to crowd aside strategic thinking. The preoccupation that we have within our organizations to be productive, to be predictable, to do error-free work, to wrap ourselves up in the process takes so much of our mental energy we don't have the time to start to talk about these other landmarks that I mentioned earlier, such as the core challenge and insights in the future. So consequently, we have leaders who are focused on working within this, the business model, trying to optimize everything that they already know. And as a strategic thinker, I want to venture out into the unknown. I wanna stand out on the edge and see things before other people do. Because if I see some of these weak signals, another word for them is pockets of the future in the present. Mm -hmm. If I see a pocket of the future in the present and I'm willing to make a bet on that, I am the first one in my business to to, to get on on the ground floor of a trend. I have an opportunity to create some space, some business for myself that my competitors can't see because I am being sharp. I'm being perceptive. I'm paying more attention to those things. So the the bottom of this is, it's all about how do we regulate where we pay attention.
0: So how as a leader, do you encourage this amongst all levels? Because at the beginning of our podcast here, we talked about strategic thinking is for everybody and it should be about everything, everybody. Now, sometimes within an organization, strategic thinking, as you alluded to, can get stifled because we don't have the time, we're focused on our goals.
1: Well, the, let's go back to the model that I gave a little bit earlier, which is sensing, sense-making, and programming. So we certainly can't encourage everybody, frontline employees, truck drivers, everybody. We should be asking them to pay attention to what you see out there. Do you see something interesting going on with your customers, make a note of that and pass that information along. So what the, the, the challenge really is, is encouraging people to pay attention to what's going on in their external environment and to find a way to pass that information along. I'm, I'm optimistic that in, with the growth of technology that we are seeing some new systems that allow us to capture qualitative, imprecise, ambiguous data and to get it into some sort of you know, artificial intelligence kind of tool that can help us work with that. Everybody should be paying attention. That's sensing. We should be, and this, this where the word empowerment is very legitimate. We should be encouraging people to make sense of what they see and to pass those things along. See something, say something kind of thing is happening. And, and then those things should be feeding in. And let me go back to that core challenge question again. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest challenge the organization faces that it can do something about? If you have a thousand eyes out paying attention to what's going on there, you've got a bigger universe of data to sift through or maybe not sift through, but a bigger universe of of samples and data to say, maybe we are seeing a signal here that could become important that we can capitalize on before our competitors see it. So it does speak to culture, it does speak to process, it does speak to a lot of things, but that is kind of my first, and I have a second answer I wanna give you also one of the first things I'd want to say to an organization that wants to get more strategic thinking so the second thing I'd, I'd want to say to you is that strategic thinking is rare and valuable one of the things that we want to be doing is developing our next generation of leadership helping those people who can move up from the you know the first line job to the second and help people move all the way up into a more senior kind of position I I think that organizations are flattening out and because organizations are flattening out, there is just so much more opportunity for for growth, if you will.
0: Greg, great stuff. Your book, How to Street Think Strategically, Sharpen Your Mind, Develop Your Competency, Contribute to Success. Great, great ideas, great philosophies, great strategies, so to speak, to, to help leaders learn more about strategic thinking.
1: Now, here's the situation. My book is presently out of print. Mm-hmm. I have a, because my publisher closed this door, unfortunately. I have a new publisher called Business Expert Press, and there will be a new fully revised edition coming out hopefully early 2023 but so right now i'm i'm focusing on making the tweaks and final changes to the manuscript of the revised edition of it okay have you so added kind
0: of a, have you added any chapters added any uh, additional information uh
1: yeah i've added quite so i've added quite a bit but they haven't been whole whole new chapters they've been more in terms of filling out some of the ideas and information along the way uh dropping some things that perhaps didn't uh, resonate the way I'd hope they would. And, and just trying to really make the book a little more concise, a little bit more readable. And and one of the things that I didn't realize when I started on the book was how popular the micro skills thing would be.
0: I think because it's so easy to relate to, yeah. you know, I mean, we all know, like you say, we all know our blind spots. We all know what we're capable of and we, it just lays it out there. It's, it's just so easy. Mm-hmm. And then once you mm-hmm. read them, you're going, yeah, I, I have that. That's my, you know, curiosity, you know,
1: I, but last week I, I did something. I go curious about curiosity and I put that into a search engine and I found there are five different types. Of, so I, had, I ended up learning a lot about curiosity that I didn't know because I got curious about the nature of curiosity. I raised the bar just a little bit higher there.
0: Well, cool. Thanks for that information about the book. We'll be looking forward to the revised edition release in 2023. Now I always end my podcast with the top five so, so I'm going to ask you something pretty unique here. What are your top five movies for learning strategic thinking?
1: Okay. Um, it's an issue. So, so the first one is the movie Moneyball. Okay. And that movie, more than anything, helps you to see the difference between good strategy and bad strategy. It helps you see how a person practicing some of the micro skills, such as skepticism, abductive reasoning, how they can forge a unique, different strategy and see really great results out of it. I I teach a lot of seminars, and that's a movie that we stop and we work our way through different scenes within the movie so that we can talk about how is strategic thinking showing up there. That's good. So that'd be number one. Okay. Number two would be the movie, The Founder. Um, it's about the founding of the McDonald's chain and mm-hmm. you can just see a guy who, ha- who sees potential in uh, another person's idea and sees how you can scale things up. So all these movies tend to be things that are, are based on true stories. The third movie would be the movie Argo and this is about sneaking the American hostages out of Iran in the, when it was the 1980s um, and how they created a false... Uh, operation to disguise himself and get away. So Argo would be number three. Uh, Number four would be the movie Lincoln. And it's the story of Abraham Lincoln and his movement to get, uh, I forget which amendment it was, maybe it was the 13th amendment through Congress at the closing days of the Civil War. And And the fifth movie is the movie Hidden Figures about three women who were part of the early part of the NASA space program and how they faced many down many obstacles. In particular, one of the stories is about sensing the opportunity that the growing use of mainframe computers, which allows the mechanical computers to replace human computers. And it's kind of a very insightful to see how that weak signal was recognized and how they pivoted themselves to create a new job opportunity because the human computers were going away mm-hmm. and the mechanical computers were coming in
0: that's good top so learn so you can learn strategic thinking but right? and and just sit on your couch and watch these five movies I love it I love it I've watched the first two uh, I'm gonna have to check out Argo Lincoln and hidden figures Greg how do they, how, do, how do our listeners get a hold of you this is insightful valuable information how, how do they get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you and also talk about your your LinkedIn okay streamer. Sure. sure
1: yeah. let, let me talk about the LinkedIn group first. So uh, there are 20 micro skills of strategic thinking and this group moves through the 20 micro skills one micro skill per week and then it repeats. And the name is this is the Ben Franklin method after ben Benjamin Franklin, one of our founding fathers. So it gets everybody sequenced. So you can find that on LinkedIn it's called Practitioners of Strategic Thinking Micro Skills. No charge, just jump in there. Every Sunday morning I post the featured micro skill of that week and try to stimulate some conversation within the group. So Good. Practitioners of strategic thinking micro skills. Uh, I don't know if you'll be posting this information uh, as as part of our podcast or something, but you can reach out to me by email. You can find me on uh, Twitter, and uh, would love to. And, and I'm out there on LinkedIn too. And I encourage you to mm-hmm. follow me there. Yeah, so, I'm gonna put. Uh,
0: I'll put all your link, uh, all your no, uh, your links, uh, and how they can get a hold of you also into the podcast notes as well. Greg, it's been great. I appreciate uh, appreciate your time. I uh, hope you had a good time. Right. I, I thanks for educating me uh, as well as my listeners. So I'm, I'm being a little selfish here, uh, but no, it's been insightful. Uh, it's been uh, very, very helpful, and, and I know our listeners are going to get something out
1: of, out of it as well. Well, thank, thank you, Tony. It was a pleasure. Great questions that you asked, and uh, I, I think this is just a, a powerful, important topic. So I'm I'm just really pleased that people are are showing interest in it.
0: As always, thank you for listening and for telling your friends to check out the show and for rating the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. Your continued support makes it possible for me to do what I love, which is helping people be the best and become well-rounded leaders in their world. And for that, I am grateful. And until next time, be a well-rounded leader and make an impact.